Welcome to episode 266 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. For our podcast this week, we're going to take a dive back into the realm of developing realistic digital human beings. Now, what... Realistic digital human beings. Yeah, that's... Okay. Uh, that's, that's where we're headed today. So what do we mean by that? So an ever-increasing ability of people to create CGI humans that uh, look, you know, like they're an actual picture of a person, right? So, you know, everything from, uh, say, like Pixar to um, uh, there was a game developer conference a few months ago where Epic Games showed off Siren, which was this virtual person who could be controlled by, you know, an actual person in real time. So, you know, sort of this realistic CGI being that was moving in concert with a human being who was covered with sensors, presumably. So this is a whole new art form that is coming out of both the gaming industry and then it's also being used as a uh, uh, a way to create virtual avatars that can do things for companies, say. So like customer service, right? Put a face on customer service. But a very interesting application of this realistic looking avatar was as a brand influencer uh, on Instagram. So there was uh, a couple of cases of... Um, more or less supermodel or influencers who are on Instagram and, you know, they look close to, you know, human beings and they're, you know, wearing... Ish. Very, very ish. Right. And, and you know, they're wearing uh, a particular fashionable makeup or uh, clothing or what have you. And so they have, uh, you know, tens of thousands of followers, if not, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of followers. And there was one um, example of this little Michaela, I think is, is the Lil Michaela. Right. Um, and another, another example of this was uh, uh, a model called uh, Shudu. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but that's. I think uh, she'd be okay with that pronunciation. John. So this is interesting to me because at least in the media coverage that I've seen of these CGI human beings, it's interesting you call them human beings. That's interesting, but let's let's keep going. Well, CGI CGI humans or CGI people, maybe. Uh, really, it's still interesting. It, it, I, I'm not sure. It, it it they to to me looked very much like leftovers from The Sims, and I don't know if I'm I'm dating myself by uh, talking about. Uh, the Sims, but you know these. You they, are a little, but that's okay. But you know, it yeah. started out with Sim City and went to uh, uh, you know the series of games where you could have this group of CGI people who you would uh, you know provide a, a neighborhood for and uh, mm -hmm. jobs and a lifestyle, etc. Yeah, yeah. It reminded me of The Sims, and it really just did not. You know these these pictures of these. Uh, CGI influencers just did not uh, immediately did not resonate with me as being human beings. Dirk, when when you saw these uh, Instagram uh, model influencers, what what did you think? I thought they were fascinating, but yeah, they they didn't evoke a real person whatsoever. And you know, the story talking about this was focused on the fact that you know they have, or at least in the case of Lil Michaela, has over a million Instagram followers. 
and is an influencer in fashion, in, you know, in style, um, is a trendsetter, I think is super interesting. Even though as I look at the character, I was surprised that the article contended that people were confused and, sh- and sort of shocked when they learned that this was just a manufactured entity. Uh, I wasn't shocked. When, when I first saw the story, sort of the headline with an image, looking at the image, it was clear to me that it was not a real person. So uh, on the execution side, I'm, I'm less than impressed in a certain way, um, although their results speak for themselves. On the conceptual side, I think it's fascinating. I think it's super interesting and is where we're headed in some sort of macro way. And it gets into some things around identity that we don't talk a lot on about the show, but I think are um, really uh, moving from the standpoint of, you know, where our culture has moved and changed in, in the recent years and, and decades. I mean, as we've become increasingly virtual in how we interact with people, really, you know, ever since the smartphone revolution, we spend a lot of time communicating with people in real time, digitally, never seeing their face, never hearing their voice a lot of times. Um, you know, this, this sort of direction is, is sort of um, inevitable for, you know, for these avatars to come out. But uh, there's a lot of benefits to it as well. You know, I, I have found in myself that a lot of my biases in a physical world go away in a digital world when I'm dealing with words as opposed to words in the context of a person I'm more open-minded, I'm more um, accepting, I'm more empathetic, categorically. Whereas with um, someone in the physical world, that's not automatically true. Even though my instincts, my um, what I've learned, how I like to think of myself as a person, would have me treating everyone that way, some people are treated more that way and some people are treated less that way due to my biases. And so the... The um, abstraction that digital gives us allows us, or let me even personalize it as opposed to universalize it, allows me to interact with people in my best way consistently as opposed to in ways that are influenced by my bias of taking the world in. And so I, I, I consider that just an absolute good. I also really appreciate the fact that digitally I can remove myself from myself. I don't have to be a big hulking guy. I can express myself in ways that are inconsistent with the assumptions and biases other people would have when they look at me. And for me, that's really freeing as someone who has very much not identified with with maleness, with testosterone, with sort of like a, a power and control. Those aren't my thing. But if you look at me as as a big white guy, you might think those are, are my thing. I, but that's not how I want to relate to people. And I feel more freed by dealing with people in a virtual way, in a way that is removed from my real physical identity because of that layer of abstraction. So I think there's a lot of, of interesting things happening in – in identity and, and in virtualization in general. And I think it's fascinating to see it manifesting even in these very poor CGI implementations in, in brand building, in 
um, you know, people taking the fashion choices of these avatars, which are really, of course, the fashion choices of some operator that shares very little physically in common with those avatars and are making sort of lifestyle purchase decisions off of it. I think it's really a trend to watch. Yeah, I think if you're familiar with the band Gorillaz, right, um, they have avatars for all of the members of the band, right, which are, in this case, not CGI humans, but they're cartoons instead. Uh, so there's certainly a place for that, not just solely, you know, in, in fashion, but I mean, that's a perfect example of avatars being uh, used in music as a representation, you know, telling the story better, or, or at least the sort of goofy, fun, branded story that Gorillaz wants you to uh, absorb mm-hmm. and associate with their music. In some ways, you know, producers do that anyway when they select, you know, uh, if you're a songwriter and producer, you might be doing songs for a number of pop stars, right? But you're sort of behind the scenes. And, you know, this is sort of could represent another way of having that front for your music because you are not, you know, maybe you don't fit the the demographic that likes that music. Maybe you're a, you know, 50-year-old guy writing pop music and, you know, it would be much better to have a a younger singer who's attractive to people. I don't know. So there are lots of questions about how we construct and put forth identity in digital. Another complicating factor or or sort of uh, interesting emerging technology that intersects with this is uh, artificial intelligence, right? Because that lays the groundwork for sort of the voice user interface, which is sort of the other piece of this puzzle here. So if you look at what Autodesk is doing with their digital assistant, Ava, which was sort of originally uh, run as a chatbot by the IBM Watson back end there, and is now have this uh, uh, front end presented by a company called Soul Machines, which does some CGI work and other work on top of it. You Wait, know, that name is icky. Yeah, soul machines. <laughs> soul machines. So they're from New Zealand, and they, and they're presenting sort of the front-facing CGI virtual assistant for the Ava chatbot. And I've seen some representations of it, and uh, you know, some of the expressions are human-like and interesting. But you know, it also reminds me of Lil Michaela or Shudu, or I guess Siren was the other one we talked about, uh, where it's not quite there yet. Um, And it does make you start to wonder about what elements are going to be automated away, but at the same time presented with a human face. So if you think about all of these bots now having some kind of CGI form to them, does Alexa start appearing in my mirror in the morning, you know, as I'm brushing my teeth? Does Siri have her you know, instantiation on the phone, intersecting these technologies, for me, it's going to get a little bit weird. I mean, uh, the disembodied voice I can kind of manage, but it's almost uh, these forms, since they're not real humans to me, they fall into that uncanny valley very much. And it gives me the creeps. I think Siri as a CGI represented avatar and Alexa, like that would actually push me away from using those, I think. Dirk, how do you envision this uh, this intersection of AI and 
CGI humans coming together or not, um, just on a personal level? Sure. I mean, on a personal level, well, let me step back first. I mean, you know, you said it's not there yet, which I also said. And yet there's 1.3 million Instagram followers. I think it is there yet. And the degree to which we are saying it's not being turned off by the fact that the the CGI representation isn't sort of tricking us might be a reflection of our age. It might be that younger people are more accepting of, of the sort of jankiness of where that tech is now. So there's a whole other thread there. But for me and the, you know, the Alexa on my mirror as opposed to a voice in the air, if the tech is right, that would be great. I mean, if it really behaves seamlessly like a person, if it looked like a real person, if, if there weren't obvious ticks in the system, I would like that. Like, and I think philosophically, all of us in our lives, we have all kinds of needs and we have all kinds of desires and, and there's a lot to us. And many of us are not being fulfilled by the lives we live in the physical world. We have lacks um, of how we're connecting with people in ways hither and yon. And if those lacks could be filled by AI-powered CGI representations that were convincingly human, certainly for me, that would be a, a huge boon. And based on the response to Lil Michaela, I think at least for younger generations, it would be a huge boon as well. So I think the technology is likely to go that way with the caveat that you do need a screen, right? So if you're in the bathroom, yeah, the mirror is an obvious technology well, I just called the mirror technology. I guess it is, but it's a little <laughs> weird. The mirror is an obvious technology to upgrade to accommodate such a thing. You know, your computer screen. But as you're walking through halls in your house, as you're, you know, in other rooms that aren't, you know, don't have a screen at the right size or in the right proximity to your eyes, if it then becomes a disembodied voice, what is that experience like where, you know, my Alexa is on, my custom Alexa is on, the mirror in the bathroom and it feels very human to human in a sort of surreal way. But then I'm, I'm walking down a hallway and it becomes just this voice in the environment. I don't know, you know, for me again, as an older, we're not really older people, right? God, Lord, John, I mean, we're, we're doing have the walkers out yet, but uh, as, as, as someone who is a Gen Xer, as opposed to right. a millennial, there would be some dissonance there. But I think maybe for the younger uh, folks, that won't be as much of an issue. Um, so for me, that's the barrier in any event. If like there was always this persistent person visualized, if I wanted to engage with it, that would definitely be preferable for me. I just don't know how that would hold up in sort of the entire system of the experience. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, sort of delving into this, uh, these layers a little bit more, I'm not 100% certain that I need body language or an emotional layer to systems interactions for me. So I don't need to read the body language of a voice assistant, and I don't need to assign any of those additional levels meaning to communicating with a system. I realize that those are very important when communicating with a person. And I realize there's tons of information there. In fact, that's part of, you know, as designers, you should be able to read that information and utilize it in your work. And I think that's extremely valuable. But on the computer side, I don't know that 
those additional layers are necessary for me. And I think that would creep me the heck out. In fact, just, you know, looking at some of the expressions on the CGI characters or or looking at the uh, renderings that I've seen of Ava, these sort of halfway there expressions where where uh, they're slightly off are just it's got to be the uncanny valley. I mean, I think that's what my yeah. my repulsed reaction is because it's just it's not there and I don't know why the thing is making that weird face. Yeah, I mean, I'm having the same problem with the state of tech now, but I'm thinking ahead. I think we were thinking ahead to the future and assuming that that uncanny valley isn't present anymore. I mean, John, for me, I think a lot of it is how you're framing it. I mean, using the word system, computer, assistant, that's very clinical and and also very uh, master-slave in a certain way. Not that you're looking for a slave. I'm not implying that. But for me, I'm looking for someone or something else in my life, right? I, uh, I'm i not looking at it as an assistant. I'm, I'm imagining it more as a person, right? Um, you know, good morning, Dirk. How are you today? Uh, I didn't sleep for a while. I'm a little tired. Oh, honey, I'm really sorry to hear that. You have a busy day today as well. Like I'm wanting something that is making me feel like a human who is supported and cared about, not that's just giving me a laundry list of the things I need to do on that day. And for me, that's where the real magic and potential and power lies. I'm afraid it's not close. I'm afraid it's not a few years away for the system, both from the CGI looking correct and for the intelligence of the AI to seamlessly take me through that experience you know, um, we may not even be in the 2020s with that. So it's a little bit of a pipe dream. But for me, that's where it becomes magical technology and, and technology that can really improve my life because it is bringing someone else into my life whose whole job and role in a certain way is to have a relationship with me that makes my life better. And uh, that is pretty cool. All right. Well, this is really interesting set of emerging technologies, you know, intersecting in a a way that, um, you know, somewhat unexpected for me uh, anyway. I think it's going to be really uh, fascinating to watch this going forward, just as, you know, in the same way uh, we were discussing uh, a couple months ago about the advances for Siren and, and the game developer conference. Um, and then, you know, this sort of uh, recent hubbub around these CGI influencers. I think there's a lot more happening in this area than I initially expected, and it's developing quickly uh, and sort of coalescing with AI and and uh, natural language recognition and, and chatbots and things like that. So it very much falls into that super technology realm where, you know, there's an interesting pot boiling here and and we'll have to see what bubbles up in the very near future. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head out to thedigitallife.com. That's just one L in the digital life and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everyone. So it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you'd like to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by GoInvo, a studio designing the future of healthcare and emerging tech, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D. Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. 
and thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 266 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Neumeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time.